Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to our supporters at Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. This year, they're collaborating with Music Declares Emergency to transition their event power to grid energy and are displaying the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and are zero-waste land Phil. They're also actively engaged in greening the music industry through Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is Wireless Festival, an incredible lineup this year. It takes place across three different sites. One of them is at Crystal Palace, London, between the 1st and the 3rd of July 2022. Tickets are on sale now. Head to crystalpalace.com wirelessfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets to get yours. That's crystalpalace.wirelessfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. So big up Festival Republic for their support and their essential work. They say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come. And that's something we can all get behind. Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. My name is Greg Cochran. I'm a journalist and podcaster. I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency. And this time on the podcast, we are in the company of climate science greatness. Our guest is Professor Ed Hawkins. Amongst other things, Ed joins us to talk about the warming stripes, his world famous visual graphic that's crossed over into the world of music, fashion and more. Yep, and maybe you've seen Enter Shikari or Emily Sande use the stripes. Ed also gives us his very latest take on the science and the action that needs to come next from all of us. And before we go, we'll also leave you with some recommendations. So let's get into the podcast. First off, big thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode back of this new series. Very humbling to know that you're all with us. Faye, how did it feel being back in the podcast saddle? Well, it's it's interesting because I have been speaking in between now and then, but it felt like I was gabbling a little bit, like I'd forgotten how to create sentences and communicate clearly. So, yeah, hopefully we're back in the back in the vibe now, back in the the smooth talking. The more we do, the better we get, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Like I said in last week's podcast, I thought Nikki Hawkins from On Road Media, who was our first guest, was really great and provided a sort of ideal setup for what we're going to bring to you in this series of the podcast. I guess that sort of fundamental idea that communication really matters, storytelling matters, storytellers matter and language and the way we frame things, it makes an enormous difference as to whether people come with you on on this sort of this journey or not doesn't mm. it really and, and I, I felt really affirmed by the fact that like mu- music has such a influential role in all this speaking to Nikki I thought that was a great way to start the series did you enjoy it yeah absolutely and it's it's just something that there's there's so many different people trying to work out how to communicate climate change and I feel like Nikki and what they do with on road media just really it's just like the top notch it's so positive it's so well thought out and researched and yeah they really know what they're doing so it's such a, a privilege to speak to them at length. 
Absolutely. Before we get into this week's guest conversation, we had some breaking news that came after we recorded the first episode of the series. And that's that listeners can expect to hear from two very different but equally brilliant songwriters during this series of the podcast. The Norwegian singer Aurora and the British musician Nick Mulvey. Um, we've got special plans for speaking to both of them. Faye, you excited about those conversations to come? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've spoken to them both quite a lot before and they're just both artists are just so magical they've got such a spiritual and gentle way of thinking about the earth and they're funny and yeah both of them are just such great characters so I'm really looking forward to those conversations yeah we can't wait to bring you those I won't say too much more at this point apart from the fact that we are really looking forward to what they have to say but make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening to this um, and that will make sure that each new episode we make drops straight into your stream wherever you are listening to us now Faye on this week's Sounds Like a Plan I feel like we were in the company of climate greatness would you agree? Mm, Yeah I mean this is like the big boys, you know, it's like, <laughs> or the big, the big people who are going to be less genders about it. It's, mm. it's, it, yeah, it's such a privilege to have a, a world-class climate scientist and one who's so well known for a piece of creative work that he's created. Um, one of the authors of the IPCC report, which is like the mm. big reports that come out annually and, and sometimes in between to tell us the real absolute truth on what the situation is. So it's funny when you speak to someone from a different industry or a different practice and you're like, mm. wow, scientists are like the real deal. But they, in turn, scientists are like will think musicians are like these kind of untouchable creatures as well. So <laughs> it's just investigating each other's worlds is quite an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. So like for, for anybody who isn't familiar with with Ed Hawkins' work, this is Professor Ed Hawkins, MBE, to give him his full title. As Faye just said, one of the world's leading climate scientists. His work has had absolutely enormous impact in his time working in this area. Day to day, Ed is Professor of Climate Science at Reading University, where he's also academic lead for public engagement in their Department of Meteorology. Say, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> As you just said, he is one of the lead authors on the current IPCC report. That's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Ed is the creator of the world famous Warming Stripes graphic that many of you listening will be familiar with. And if you aren't, that's actually the connection that brought Ed into this podcast in a way. The band Enter Shikari used the visualisation as part of their live show. And Raul Reynolds was on this very podcast talking about that. If you want to scroll back to previous episodes and find that and have a listen, I will also post the link to Ed's Warming Stripes graphic in the show notes um, so you can go and check that out. And basically... As you said, Ed is a big deal in the climate science world. He is the Coldplay of climate science, a huge name. In fact, he told us a very fun... In fact, he like told your us Coldplay a very reference. <laughs> that was very thinly Ed, veiled and gratuitous, Greg. <laughs> hang on. Ed actually gifted us a really good Coldplay reference. A fun fact, Ed Hawkins went to school with Chris Martin from Coldplay. Oh, that's true. Um, so I didn't totally grow bar in a Coldplay reference. <laughs> But yeah, enough about Coldplay. We should probably get into the chat. This is Professor Ed Hawkins on Sounds Like a Plan. Ed, welcome to the podcast. It is a huge privilege to have you join us. Um, somebody so notable in the in the climate science world. Apologies for starting with such a 
basic question, but I'm really keen to know when when you're in the middle of things, what does an average week look like for you? What's the mix of things that would be going on? Is it research? Is it teaching? Is it idea development? Just give us a sense of um, of, of your kind of day to day, if you like. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So yeah, a day to day job for me is doing research and I like to study how the climate has already changed and how it might change in the future. So that's part of my job. Um, I also look after various other researchers who are doing similar things. And so I, I meet with them regularly to chat about their progress and, and where they might go next. I interact with students a bit of, at the university as well. Uh, and I spend a lot of time trying to engage with the public as well, doing outreach and social media and blogs and visualisations um, as well. And so it's a, it's a great mix of, of activities during the week. Brilliant. Yeah. Your, your specialism, Ed, is obviously in um, climate science, but also uh, climate communication and data visualisation, as you just mentioned there. So basically taking what can be quite voluminous, complex data and making it digestible and understandable and, and hopefully sort of arresting, I suppose. Some people might be familiar with your warming stripes visualisation that's been so successful. But for those who are listening that don't know about that, would you mind just explaining? Sure. So I guess the, the idea is that many people don't understand a traditional scientific graph. They, they may not have enjoyed maths at school, for example. And so if they see a, a graph, they instantly don't quite, don't quite grasp what it means. And so the idea is to look for ways of reaching everybody in a simple way and in a way that everybody can understand. And so that was the idea behind generating what we call the warming stripes. And what they are is essentially 172 stripes uh, arranged from left to right. 1850 on the left uh, and 2021 on the right and each stripe is coloured and it's coloured by the global average temperature in that particular year. So we have good records of global temperature going back to 1850 and so we can look at that data over the last 170 years and colour each stripe by the temperature in that year. And what you see is that we start off very cool in blue colours, so we use blue to represent the cooler years uh, and then as you come to the present over the last 40 or 50 years, the colours change very rapidly to light blues, to light reds, to dark reds, and then very dark red over the last few years, which represents the change in our climate, the warming world that we are living in. And it's just a very stark visual, which you can put on a screen, show to anyone, and, they, and you talk a little bit about it, and they instantly understand the message. What's also really important to this is that you made it available as like a kind of open source piece of material I suppose so that like it's been adopted all over the place like as soon as if you went online and searched for this you'd see it being used in the worlds of fashion or being painted on garden fences or you know all manner of things. I saw so many masks um, like Covid masks with with this on which was this kind of weird coming together of like so many different weird things that are happening but yeah. It's, it's been used everywhere it's extraordinary to see actually and so I came up with this idea in 2018 I think and it kind of took off quite quickly and one of the the first uses that I saw in quite a novel way was a, a chap in the US who had bought a new Tesla car um, and he had decided he wanted to, to, to paint it or wrap it in, in colours and he chose to do it in the warming stripes because they'd just, they'd just come out. And so he, he got his car specially wrapped in these blue and red stripes and as, as the graphic looks and he took this car to various car shows in his state in Minnesota in the USA. There is probably an audience who wouldn't normally talk about the climate or talk about science um, going to car shows like that. 
and and he took he took the car to the car show and he said he had more conversations with people in that few hours than he had about climate in the rest of his life put together mm. purely because people came up to him and said what have you done to your car you know <laughs> why is it why what you know it looks ridiculous you know why why have you chosen those colors and because people came to him to ask the question, they started the conversation, which means he then could then talk about the climate and what the stripes represented in a very natural way without forcing the conversation. They, they had approached him, and so it started that conversation very naturally. And so that makes you realise that this is a way of starting those conversations, which are so critical, because we need to reach every audience, every group, every tribe of people have their own, you know, their own grouping. We all have friends and colleagues with similar interests, and we need to reach all of those groups so we can have those conversations in the groups about what's happening and what we need to do about it. Mm. Uh, w- one of the reasons we wanted to get you onto the podcast, Ed, is because in November last year, Faye and I were, were up in Glasgow for COP26. I know you were yourself as well. And we were there speaking to Raul Reynolds from Enter Shikari. And, and the band is, is, is just another one of those examples who've adopted the warming stripes and integrated it into what they do if anybody's been to see their live show the last few years it's, it's part of the backdrop it's really kind of a resting moment in uh, when you go and see their gig that, that kind of bright colors this visualization is used um and, and one of the things that Raul said in our podcast that we recorded with him was that it's a great conversation starter he's he's now kind of developed really nice kind of um natural conversations with 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 fans who've, who've come to say what What's that? Like, tell me a little bit more about that, which is exactly what you just described with um, the Tesla example. I was wondering what you made of um, Entshikari's adoption of the warming stripes and if, if, you've, if you've seen it in action. Uh, it, yeah, it was brilliant to see. So I, I had a message from them in 2019, I think, saying, we're going on our summer tour. Can we use these, these graphics as our backdrop for, for that summer tour? Um, and I was very happy to, to do so. The graphics are freely available for anyone to use for any purpose. I think that the, the best the best uses have come where we've had a conversation with the artists or whoever want to use them because we can talk about it a bit more, uh, mm. but they are free to use. And so they, they took it on their tour. They came to Reading Festival that summer, which is where I live, and they were playing on the main stage and it was on the giant big jumbo screens there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend. Um, I was actually on <laughs> holiday at the time, um, but colleagues did attend and chatted to Rao and um, apparently it went down extremely well. And it was just amazing. I saw the photographs afterwards uh, and it was amazing to see these graphics, giant size on, on, the, on the main stage at Reading. And then, of course, the, the pandemic happened soon after that. And so I, I did man- finally manage to meet Rao at, in Glasgow at COP as well. And I went to their gig in, in Glasgow where they were you know, they were especially there to talk about climate. You know, they'd, they'd chosen that as their first gig after the pandemic, specifically to go and talk um, about climate at COP. And so it was great to... Sh- we actually went around the COP with Rao. We got him in so he could see what it was all about as well. So that was fantastic. Amazing. What's interested to get your take is is the um, is the music your cup, normal cup of tea? What, what, when you went along to see their show, with you, what is it? Is it's, it's, not, it's not my normal music taste, I have to say, but that's fine. It was great. I mean, going to see any band live is is amazing. You just get that live experience. Um, yeah. uh, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Is there are there any other examples of um, uh, people in the music world that have adopted the stripes that you know of? We've had lots of artists of different forms. The one you mentioned about fashion, that was a fantastic link as well. We, we partnered with a, a fashion designer called Lucy Tamam, uh, who works in London, and she put on a show at London Fashion Week 
last year with a whole set of designs based around the stripes. And so that, again, is something I would not normally imagine ever of going to, you know, a, a London week fashion show, you know, catwalk um, and everything. That, you know, that was a bit of a shock, but it was fantastic to see, again, those conversations being started with a game with a different audience who probably wouldn't necessarily always talk about science or climate. And so it just, again, it just starts those conversations. As part of the partnership with the fashion designer, she hosted a gala event uh, in London last year and she was able to get Emily Sande to come along to that gala event and Lucy, the designer, made a dress especially for Emily to wear when she was singing at, at that event. So Emily Sande was also using these stripes as well. It's brilliant. And I think one of the reasons why it's so powerful and, and it really captures the imagination is because it, it, A, it doesn't use words. You're, you're communicating something non-verbally with colours that people have grown up with being meaning hot and cold you know the blue tap the red tap it's it's in all of our minds without using words um and also it looks really nice i'm (laughs) I'm wondering is this the um the sort of the artist in you coming out or or is it a coincidence that it looked so good that's a good question i I was always rubbish at art when i was at school uh but um i think I'm, I think I'm a very visual person. Mm. So, you know, in our science, we obviously, we write a lot, but we also have to make complicated graphics to describe our science to our, to our fellow scientists. And I've always been very aware that I always concentrate mainly on the figures rather than the text more. And so mm. I, I, I learn and I see visually, I think, whereas others learn uh, and read text more easily. And, you know, so we, we have different ways of taking in information um, whether it be text or graphics. And I seem to be one of those who prefers the graphical form of communication. Fantastic. I'm just interested to know, do you, do you, are you kind of working away thinking like, what would be a great graphic that might capture the imagination of people on TikTok or something? Like, what, yeah, what kind of conversations are going on in the background? So some of this comes kind of spontaneously, right, without any great thought. I mean, so the warming stripes came about because I was asked to speak at an event at the Hay Literature Festival, very famous book festival. And I was partnered with a, an amazing poet and author called Nicola Davies. And she wrote some beautiful poems about climate and about the research that, that we do. Uh, and I was there to talk a bit about the science. And so I wanted a very clean, simple way of talking about the changes in, in our climate to an audience, again, who probably don't go to those festivals to talk about science. They go to talk about books. And so I, I designed the, the stripes for actually for the town of Hay, where the festival was held. And so you put it again, you put it up on the screen and you can see everyone's eyes open and the pennies drop that, you know, you can see the changes in our climate happening even in a small town like Hay. You see the colours changing from blues to reds. The climate is changing globally, but that means it's changing everywhere locally. And so that's a, that was a, a realisation for me that this is a very powerful message. But as you say, we, we also have to tell stories with our data. Stories are so powerful at communicating messages, and that's not what we're trained to do necessarily as scientists. And so I think that the spiral graphic you mentioned, which was produced a few years ago, that was an animated version of showing again how the, how the, the temperatures are changing over time. And that animation part of it enabled people watching it to learn about the story, about how things have changed. And that, that just 30-second clip... Uh, in that 30 seconds, you get the story. Things weren't changing very much. And then suddenly there's this huge acceleration uh, and temperature change towards the end. And that that provides a bit of a visual shock. And so people go, oh, I need to watch that again. you know. And so people report watching this animation over and over again because it tells a story to them. 
Mm-hmm. And one one thing I'm really fascinated by. Am I right in thinking you were one of the authors on the on the most recent IPCC report? That's right. Um, yes, I was one of the lead authors. You're very kind of. You're probably very unique in the, in in this fact, Ed. That basically you have a knowledge and an involvement in like very much like both ends of the spectrum. At one end, the accumulation of the the IPCC reports, which it might end up being like a massive stack of a report. It's this huge kind of document, incredibly thorough, detailed. And at the other end, you've tried to create visualization that is completely succinct and people get it. And so somewhere in between, you've effectively almost sort of used visualization to distill all of that enormous work. And so you, you've got this kind of vision of the of the spectrum. That's quite a unique position to be in, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as climate scientists in particular, we have different audiences for our research. We obviously need to talk to governments and policymakers um, um, about what's going on and the options they have um, for the future and what those different choices mean. And so the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, is there to produce a summary for policymakers. 195 countries are there and they've agreed every word in that summary for policymakers and they understand the risks and the challenges we face. And so they can then go away and hopefully make some very difficult decisions about what to do. But at the same time, we also have to communicate this to everybody because the changes that are required to um, stop the climate changing are going to affect all of our lives. Uh, And so people need to understand the reasons why changes need to be made and to then feel comfortable about, about making those changes to their lives. And so we have to communicate to to everybody at the bottom, as well as the policymakers who are making these decisions at the top, because this is going to be a bottom-up process of enabling a social change to happen, as well as the necessary policies being put in place by governments. And so everybody needs to get involved from, from top to bottom, through businesses, through cities, through everybody talking to their neighbour, as well as the big policy decisions up above. Um, and so it involves everybody, so we have to communicate to everybody. So, so brilliant to hear you say that, like to, to hear somebody from the kind of science world saying that, that kind of that all these active parts need to get involved for it to work. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were to sort of almost like supercharge one aspect of things, what would it that isn't the science that is the awareness that, it, that somehow drives something? What would it be? So one of my colleagues, Professor Catherine Hayhoe, um, she says the most important thing we have to do about climate is talk about it. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with her that inspiring these conversations on an everyday basis about the changes we're seeing on our televisions, you know, we're seeing floods, we're seeing heat waves, we're seeing wildfires, we're seeing corals bleaching um, all over the world. All of these things are happening in front of our eyes. And so we need to make people realise that these things are happening and becoming more frequent, more intense because of our warming world. And so we need to have those conversations about what's going on to our friends and our family and our colleagues. And we can talk then about what we're doing about it, whether you're cycling more, whether you're changing your diet, what you've done with your energy provider, or, you know, the 101 other things that that people can change in their lives to make a difference. And the more we talk about those changes that we're all making, it becomes part of our everyday conversations, like we would normally talk about health or the economy or COVID or whatever. It becomes part of those conversations. And that way it becomes more of a political issue and so our politicians then can see, OK, this is something that is popular to make a decision about. And so that will enable them to make the difficult decisions because politicians are not necessarily going to make decisions that mean they become an ex-politician. You know, that, so we have, to, we have to enable those politicians to make the difficult decisions because they are popular. That was a very diplomatic 
way of putting it. <laughs> well, politicians have a very short lifespan. They're, they're thinking mm. two, three years ahead. And so this is a much longer term issue. Yeah. This is something which crosses generations. Um, and you, you see the young people rising up because they recognise this is going to affect their entire life. Uh, and so it's very important to ensure that long term perspective is brought through. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good to hear you say that, actually, because sometimes it's um, it's hard to persuade people that just making people talk about things is a form of change. That's um, I, I work with a campaign called Music Declares Emergency, and we're, our sort of main thing is making it okay for people to talk about. We have these T-shirts, no music on a dead planet, and it's similar to what you were saying. The idea is it gets into different tribes and someone sees someone wear the t-shirt. You see someone wearing a Metallica t-shirt, you think, hey, I like Metallica, let's chat. So it's like, it's doing that, but with climate, so inspiring those conversations, which is change. You know, change doesn't have to be signing a petition. Those, all of those different things help. And I think the answers are so many, you know, there are so many things people can do. There's no point just sort of pointing towards one. Plus, people can come up with their own things they can do. It's, you know, hive mind mentality where if people are talking about it, people can really, you know, see what, what the issue is in their area, in their particular life. There's no one person who can see all of those different lifestyles and locations and all the different things and say, right, there's there's one answer to everything. So it's, yeah, it, it makes me really pleased to hear you say that's that's a really important thing to do because I, I really agree with that yeah, so you know th- th- there's no one thing we can do to solve this problem it's going to mm. take everything we have to do things about our energy supply we have to change how we travel how we heat our homes how we eat um all of these changes are necessary and i think you know we also see at the moment a lot of anxiety um mm. from from young people in particular but also at, at every age group we see people extremely worried about the future. You know, eco-anxiety seems to be a real thing, that people get extremely anxious and depressed about the future that they might see. And that's particularly worrying for, for us as scientists because what we, what we see the hope. We mm. see the fact that because we are causing this problem, you know, our burning of fossil fuels is adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, which is warming the planet. It is our decisions which have done that which means that our decisions can get us out of the problem. It is our choices that we all make now which will determine what happens next. And that is a very positive message to to come up with. We can halt the warming of our planet by making different choices and different decisions, and it's in our hands to do that. Right. That's that's another example of you taking a, a sort of very complex set of things and really simplifying it and distilling it into a positive... You've got a great skill for that, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have to be positive. I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, worrying about the doom uh, is, is, a, is mm. a helpful way of, of uh, motivating change. We have to be hopeful uh, and present positive outcomes because there are also many positive outcomes for making these changes to our lives. For example, when we take petrol and diesel cars off the road and transfer to electric cars for everybody, that will automatically clean up our air. Mm. We will have... Better air, less air pollution, and we experienced that during the pandemic lockdowns. You know, there were no cars on the road mm. because we were all stuck at home. And you know, people reported all over the country saying, "I can breathe more easily. I can, mm. I can the air smells different. I can hear the birds, and the air just is just fresher and and, and better." 
and that is the and that is the way we could go back to you know we can yeah. go back to a place where we have cars and so we can travel around uh, but they're electric cars and but still with that better air quality and so we we again have to talk about the positive messages and the positive outcomes for making these changes which we would want to do anyway regardless of any effect on the climate yeah there's sort of an infinite number of things people can do and so many different changes but i think part of the eco anxiety comes from trying to work out everything at the same time and i think you as as i was saying the other day you don't have to worry about shipping and air travel and all of these different you don't have to work out every answer you just work out what's around you and and keep those conversations going and then that's that's that is the change that helps push everything forward yeah and what we saw with the pandemic also is that change can come very quickly you know, we, we, people can mm. change policies. And also with the current situation in the Ukraine, you know, policies have changed extremely quickly. And so if there is enough pressure, enough seriousness, enough urgency, then changes can be made very quickly. Um, uh, and that's what we need to see more of um, with, with, with the climate, which is a much slower, longer term problem. But we need to make changes really rather rapidly if we are to stabilise um, global temperatures at a level which the politicians have agreed that they want to do. Um, and so, you know, the, the UK in many ways is leading in some ways in that we have set an, a national target. We're one of the first countries to do that. We have a plan. The Climate Change Committee, which is an independent body, has described what is required of the country to get to net zero emissions. Um, there is a plan, there's a pathway, and it just needs policies enacted to, to take us on that on that pathway. And, we, and there's no doubt we could probably go a bit faster than, than that pathway suggests. But it needs to be some difficult decisions by our leaders to set us on that path. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and, and those decisions can only be aided by people being positive about them being made, let's yes, say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just want to point listeners towards showyourstripes.info, which is the website to, to basically go and find those materials that we were talking about earlier around the, the warming stripes you know use them spread them be creative with them you know that ed's made them available to anyone and everyone to basically to to spread word about it so like if if you if you were listening to this and thought i've got an idea of what i could do with that then that's what it's there for um so definitely like to encourage people to go and check that out the most recent part of the ipcc report was the starkest warning yet around all of this and and the action that needs to be taken so i just wanted you to speak for a moment about the moment that we're in like the sort of post cop 26 you know need to keep energy up around that momentum whilst also acknowledging that as we record there's you know there's a lot going on in the world so just just a bit about this moment and how you kind of want to see us continue and and kind of stay on track if you like so yeah i think we are at a crossroads you know at this moment in time you know so so last year was particularly uh, stark for this we we saw the enormous heat waves in Canada and places like that. We've seen wildfires recently in Australia, in California, in Turkey and in Greece. We've seen enormous flooding in, in China and Japan and the devastating floods in Germany last year, which killed so many people as well. And so what's happening is that what we have been saying for, for decades is that as the planet warms, we will see more of these extreme weather events, you know, and that is what we're seeing now. And so that climate change is becoming visible People can see it uh, where it hasn't necessarily been visible before. And so I think that is, I think, starting to raise awareness, persuade people that this is not a world that we want to to keep messing with. Um, We need to stabilise where we are. We can stop things getting worse. And that's what we're aiming for. Getting better is 
even more challenging. Um, but to stop things getting worse is the number one aim at the moment. And so this is what the, you know, the IPCC came out and said, we need to reduce our emissions, halve them over the next decade and get to net zero by about 2050 to have any chance of stabilising the global temperature at a level which the politicians have agreed is the line in the sand. But what we also need to remember is that these targets of 1.5 or, or 2 degrees, they're, they're not hard cliff edges. You know, if we miss 1.5, we aim for 1.6. If we miss 1.6, we aim for 1.7. There, there is no sudden transition between safe and disaster. Like, things just get worse. Mm. Um, and that's what we're seeing now. We're already seeing the consequences with our rising sea levels and our floods and our heat waves. And those consequences will just continue to get worse as the temperatures continue to rise. And so every tonne of carbon dioxide that we don't add to the atmosphere helps. You know, it, all of our choices that we make mean that the consequences can be a little bit less than they would otherwise have been. And so that, you know, provokes people's actions do make a difference because every tonne every ton matters, every bit of warming matters. Uh, and so at COP, there's an incredibly complex geopolitical process that goes on um, at those discussions. And in many ways, I think the, the main uh, positive benefits of COP is that it shows businesses and uh, people that there is a pathway, that there is a trajectory. It may not be as fast as many of us would like to see, but businesses now realise if they don't make this transition, they will be forced to. Mm. Um, and so the earlier they do that, the better. And so we are seeing businesses react and realise that they need to do this to actually sell their products to people. Because if consumers don't see businesses making changes, they will, they will not use those companies. Uh, and we're seeing that already. And so this is, again, how people power can persuade actions. And that's what we need. We need it coming from the bottom up to persuade those at the top to make the decisions. And so, again, it comes down to our choices you know, we are at this crossroads. We can either turn left and keep burning coal and gas and temperatures continue to rise uh, with really bad consequences for us, for the planet as a whole, our ecosystems, our animals all over the planet. Or we can turn right and make these very difficult changes to our lifestyles, which have enormous positive benefits as well as stabilising the climate. And so we're, we're at that point where we have to make those decisions and our choices matter. Thanks so much to Ed for coming on the podcast. Really, really enjoyed being in his company and sharing that conversation with you. Faye, what did you make of that? What? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant conversation. And it's, yeah, it, it just made me really think about all of the ways in which we have to get our heads around the massive issue that the world is facing, that humanity and animals and plants and all of the organisms on earth are facing. And it's it's really hard to kind of... It's, it's trying to it's like trying to imagine infinity or trying to imagine what happens after death it's like you can't really imagine what happens if we have like over 1.5 degrees of warming and everything kind of really goes wrong it's really hard to get your head around so just every time someone tries to communicate it in a way that is more easy to understand or visual rather than numbers based mm. or um you know, and that extends to music and extends to art and all of these different things. Anytime that someone does that, it really just helps the humans as a whole for us to really acknowledge the issue and really understand what's happening 
in a more sort of sensory way rather than just a cognitive mm. way. So definitely, it's a bit like when we saw um, Al Gore in An Inconvenient Truth sort of ride this cherry picker up the graph to show how much the how much warming's happening and how quickly. It's like that was that was just like a way to bring a graph to life. It was like this this is actually a real thing and. I don't know, it kind of really brought that home. And I think that's what Ed's artwork does as well. It, it Where you see one one degree of warming, it doesn't feel like, you know, the, the temperature fluctuates by, you know, 10, 15 degrees every day. We're like, what's one degree warming going to do? But it's seeing that in this kind of visual way of how much it's changing and using the colour red, which is warming, which also makes us think of a warning and it's you know the color in nature that warns us not to eat a bug or you know to stay away mm. from something it's it's very much just speaks directly to your subconscious i think to kind of go okay we're in danger so yeah brilliant piece of art and well i guess it wasn't art originally but it's a graph that's so beautiful and compelling that it then becomes art what is art anyway, Absolutely. Greg? What is art? <laughs> that feels like a that could be a whole separate podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to gush, isn't it, really? Like about the fact that, that Ed joined us on the podcast. We're both huge admirers of his work. And you can't sort of help but think that history, modern history will remember the name Ed Hawkins, I think. And I, I must admit, to sort of own up to my own stereotyping, going into this conversation, I wasn't sure what kind of communicator Ed would be because you have a picture in your mind of, of what perhaps a climate scientist looks like and speaks like, maybe you know, don't have the uh, great reputation for, for being uh, communicators, but for being you know brilliant kind of scientific minds. And Ed was completely the opposite. I thought he was so eloquent, so brilliant, like mm -hmm. was such a great speaker. And, uh, you know, it could, he could have been really, you know, he's, he's literally lead author on the IPCC report. Like it could have we you know, could have had a very technical chat on the podcast, obviously, if we'd chosen to do that. But I thought he was brilliant on the subjects of communication and obviously visualisation, social activism, you know, really seemed to have this holistic knowledge and recognition of what's needed going on. And to get into sort of some of the detail of what he talked about, I loved his honesty about going mm. to see Enter Shikari and it not necessarily <laughs> being his particular music taste, but really, really admired the way that they've they've sort of um, collaborated with him, I suppose, by using the, the warming stripes visualizations. Sounded like Emily Sunday's music was a little bit more of Ed's bag. But yeah, like what, what a great example of like the music space and the science space uh, and the visualization space, like all crossing over in a really effective way. It's got, it's got used so many places, isn't it? Like you said in the podcast that the warming stripes are kind of globally recognized now. Like you see face masks with them, you see posters, you see them used, people painting their garden fences in that way and like billboards and cars and dresses and everything you know it's 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 such a smart and brilliant and effective piece of of communication that's right um, greg we should find lots of those pictures and post them on our instagram we definitely should we definitely should which listeners can follow at sounds like a plan podcast that's right yeah and i don't think we should stop until we get the pyramid stage decorated in the warming stripes what do you think oh my goodness yeah Definitely. And just just finally on this, I, I think it was really interesting to, to connect the, the first episode of this series, Nikki Hawkins, and um, this conversation we just heard from Ed Hawkins. They're not related, by the way. And, and Nikki <laughs> said last week, it doesn't matter how many times you sort of batter people over the head with the stark facts and the warnings about all of us, all of this. The evidence suggests that that doesn't ignite 
action in people like telling people mm. how bad it is and how worse it could get doesn't necessarily spur people on and i noticed in ed's conversation um the expression this is bottom up like used a few times he really mm. really wanted to push home the, the idea of like people power and the role of kind of mass feeling on this subject and it was it was really interesting to hear someone as central as ed in the science movement really pushing home how important the mass consensus is on this issue like i mean the science is important but people's opinions and their actions and the way they vote and the choices they make are absolutely integral his final words of the podcast were literally our choices matter and i think that's mm. a great thing to kind of keep those words keep ringing in your ears absolutely and it made although it's like it's so important that we have policy and we have leadership and all of these things on climate it's that it does feel like very um makes you feel like you have a lot more power if you think, okay, if I choose to get public transport, say, rather than drive, or if I choose this rather than that, I can. I am actually part of stopping mm. those emissions going out and part of making a difference, which I think is we can feel very small sometimes in the grand scheme of things, but it's lots and lots of little differences add up. So, yeah, that was very empowering is the word I was looking for. Um, and, yeah, and I, I also like that, you know, his those those IPCC reports are – incredibly bleak and incredibly like terrifying um but he had a very positive and let's get this done attitude so i i really mm. believe in that as well it's like we we will get this sorted it's just we've got to get off our asses and do it <laughs> so if if professor ed hawkins is saying that and he's this is his this is his you know he's living and breathing the the granular detail of the situation every single day is saying that then that makes me more hopeful yeah them's the facts <laughs> I, as they trust, say trust ed <laughs> hashtag trust ed um, <laughs> as Faye said we'd, we, we'd love to hear from you what you made of that conversation with ed hawkins we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did um you can message us we are sounds like a plan podcast on instagram you can also email us we are sounds like a plan podcast at gmail.com Faye, it's time for some recommendations. Let's leave our listeners with a recommendation before we go on this week's episode. What have you got? Okay, so at Music Declares Emergency, we've got some really cool t-shirts coming out. And the first one came out at the weekend and it's based on a mural that was painted in Cardiff by students at the University of South Wales. And it says, no music on a dead planet in Welsh, which I'm not going to try and say myself. But we've got a brilliant T-shirt that goes with it. And the design is just super cool. It's like this horse with skeletons running up it. And it's these purples and greens and beautiful colours. So I really recommend people checking that out. And then also a very exciting other T-shirt launch with a very famous band is coming up very soon. So musicdeclares.shop and we really really appreciate anyone uh donating to our work by getting one of those t-shirts and really flying the flag and sharing the message everywhere you walk when you wear one so that's my recommendation for this week brilliant get yourself a t-shirt in time for earth day that's what i say yes Faye, my recommendation this week have you heard of the deep time walk no but that sounds like a TikTok dance routine? <laughs> yeah, or something you might do at a wedding or something. <laughs> yeah. um, so to give uh, to give full credit, I discovered this through another of my favourite podcasts, uh, Outrage and Optimism, earlier this year. Um, and hearing Ed Hawkins talk about finding simple ways to communicate dense messaging about climate inspired me to recommend this. And basically, the deep time walk is a guided walk through 4.6 billion years of Earth's history. 
So basically, it's a walking audio history of the living earth. And mm. I know what you're thinking. That that's that's going to be a long Sunday stroll. <laughs> like it's probably going to be a marathon, <laughs> uh, but it's not. There's this really really clever idea. Basically, it's a guided walk that lasts 4.6 kilometers, and each step is the equivalent of a million years. I think I think my maths is right in that anyway. oh, wow. and so basically it's an app you can like load their their app and you can listen to it as you're walking and it's a guided audio tour of the earth's history like the best natural history meets science kind of story lesson that you've ever heard it's really really clever it's it really gets into your mind it's quite sort of meditative um as you're going and it's just a really effective way of basically grounding your mind in the wonder of the earth to understand its history and the billions of years it's taken to bring us to this very point and i suppose the knock-on effect of that is to just remind us of just uh, just how precious it all is and what we're really really fighting for so it's called the deep time walk actually originated as a physical walk like a walking tour you know like you might mm. do in like a in a city center or something in the certainly in the the southwest of the uk is where, where it started but it's turned into this app now so that you can download it and do it wherever you are like you know wherever you want to walk this coming deep weekend time walk it's called deep ah. time walk they're on they're on all the social media and uh, their website is deeptimewalk.org and you can also just like put it in go into the app store and just download deep time walk and you can you can listen to this this guided audio tour it's really really cool amazing well that's it from us on this episode of the podcast thank you once again to our guest ed hawkins you'll hear from us next time on sounds like a plan until then thanks for being with us Thanks for streaming this episode of Sounds Like a Plan. Faye Milton was your host along with me, Greg Cochran. This podcast is made by New Allotment. You can find more about them at newallotment.com. And this episode was edited by Tim Cochran with more info at timothycochran.com. Our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com and the artwork is by Stuart Stubbs. Until the next time we're together, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.